0: Full service radio. Full service radio. Full service. Full service. Full service. Full service radio. You're listening to The Tidbit brought to you by Curate. We are live at the line Hotel in Washington, D.C., and I'm your host and the CEO of Curate, Kim Bryden. Do you run a small business or have dreams to start one well here at the tidbit we've got your back each week we talk through tidbits of knowledge around starting or running a small business with a food and beverage lens perhaps it's the noticeable season change or maybe a planet somewhere has changed its course direction but at the time of this recording, it seems to me that everyone in my personal orbit or even geopolitical leaders on a macro level are questioning our systems. I mean, to be honest, I am always thinking about this, but over the course of the next two episodes, I sit down with two individuals that I believe embrace a new way of thinking, a new way of leading, and in fact, they've both come from a very creative design-forward background. Maybe there's something about the skill set around the creative process that makes one more resilient and an adaptive thinker. Let's see if my theory proves true. Um, But before introducing our guest, as always, we jump off each show of the tidbit with a little tidbit of knowledge on what we've been reading, listening to, or learning. And this is derived from a biweekly newsletter that we send out at Curate. And in it, we discuss what we're reading, eating, drinking, listening to, and learning, five quick morsels of information to get you in the know and on top of your game. So if you're interested in learning in between our episodes, head over to curate.co, C-U-R-E-A-T-E.co to sign up. Okay, so recently, I came across this podcast called Hurry Slowly. And it's about how you can be more productive, creative, and resilient through the simple act of slowing down. Color me intrigued, so I tuned into the latest episode of Hurry Slowly featuring Debbie Millman, who is a widely recognized writer, designer, educator, artist, and host of her own podcast, Design Matters. So to tee up our own discussion today, let's take a quick listen to their
1: conversation perspective, I worry all the time that I will never make the things that I'm supposed to make or that I should make or that I'm capable of making just because I'm not strong enough or smart enough or talented enough. Well, do you think that that bar has changed for you as you've moved along, right? Oh, that you raise oh, it, and raise it, and raise My it girlfriend and raise it. tells me all the time, Debbie, you keep moving the bar. Stop moving the bar. Because otherwise, you're never going to be satisfied. And yes, I am a bar mover. I am an expert bar mover. Well, one exercise that I do sometimes, because of course, I too am someone who's constantly moving the bar. I know. I'm like, hello, black. I'm ghetto. <laughs> one exercise that I do is I think about myself, you know, 10 or 15 years previous to now And would I be, you know, sort of impressed with where I am now, you know, were I in that state? And then that usually helps me get like a little bit more of a handle or perspective on it. Do you ever do anything like that? Absolutely. There was somebody that put something up on Instagram, like, imagine if you were, imagine if you were your 15 year old self looking at your life now, what would you think? And I'd be like, (laughs) I think that that person was like on crack um because this would have seemed a fantasy absolutely i mean i am a master metabolizer and i metabolize any achievement or success almost instantly almost as if it's like Gatorade and i then keep looking for the next thing to metabolize and that just comes from i think tremendous self-loathing and you know just bad feelings about oneself. And then I use these things to feel better about myself. And so I know that I know that I do that. And I talk about it all the time with my shrink. And I really would like to be able to be a little bit easier on myself. But I have not gotten there yet. I'm working on it. though. Wow. Well, and I don't think it's something that's unique to you, as I was saying, it I- certainly
0: is not unique to her. And it definitely resonates. I mean, this is a crux of what I want to talk about today. How do we design a life, design a business, where these externalities, and that external, externality could be a market demand, right? Are in sync with our own internal desires, and making sure that we are comfortable and confident in ourselves. I mean, imagine a life where we were never confident or comfortable with our own achievements, as if we never felt like we hit the mark. And that is just entangled in a lot of what I've seen for myself and in our culture right now is if we're constantly feeling like we're never hitting that bar like Debbie was talking about uh, in this clip, what does that mean for our own psychology um, and the mental state of all of us? I worry about this for myself, for us all. So I am truly grateful to have our guests here today because I think Of most people I know, she has been a force in our small business community by living her values through her creative process and adaptability. And I just want to welcome Tori Partridge, founder and creative director of Cherry Blossom Creative. And very uniquely, her Twitter bio reads, you can find her at the intersection of beautiful and useful. (laughs) Gorgeous. We will be right back with Tori. listening to the tidbit and i'm your host kim bryden we are live with tori partridge founder of cherry blossom creative hello hello thank you for being here i'm so happy to be here i'm just gonna jump right in tori when you first started cherry blossom creative it looked very different than your business model today that is accurate and i really want to talk about this evolution because i think we're often fed a narrative that you must figure it out, and I'm doing air quotes right now, figure it out from the beginning that your business model, your scaling strategy, et cetera, has to be planned out before you even enter a market. I think this is a lot of times what our educational systems or small business resource centers want you to believe that you need to have literally a formula written out as to how you're growing, grow, and scale. But your journey's been quite remarkable because you've listened to your personal needs and the market's needs. And I just really want to learn more about this evolution. So yeah, tell us more. For what's worth, I don't like, I don't actually think
2: that all of those, like, small business developments, you know, people are wrong in saying, like, right. hey, have your, and I think a lot of that actually has to do with, with having your finances figured out, mm. which is something crucial. that I think is, yeah, a lot more crucial than than people necessarily. Tune know.
0: into our last episode on figuring out your financial health. Mm. Nice plug. Um, <laughs> But
2: I will say that I do think that the one thing that's been consistent about the growth of my company has been that I might not have had a proper business plan, but I definitely had my values in Mm. place. And I have constantly shifted my business to fit those values and to fit my idea of what I wanted my business to be and what I wanted it to become. Um, My background from before I started my business is a lot more traditional. Um, I was working in counterterrorism and counterinsurgency. Um, whoa! I, yeah, <laughs> very different than
0: creative direction. Very
2: different. Um, <laughs> I had studied Middle East studies. I'd done Arabic. I'd done political science um, before. I was working for myself. I was working for the army. Um, deployed to Baghdad, doing basically like research out there that helped support command decisions. Which sounds like it sounds very sexy, right? Like it's like whoa, that's the thing you were doing.
0: Wow. Seems. Very Hollywood. Um, it was horrible. Yeah,
2: like, like real talk. Like it was, it was miserable. It was uh, violent. It was, um, it was stressful. It placed a a level of just daily like flight or flight fight or flight stress on my body that was like unsustainable. Mm. It was. Doing work that sounded good, but at the end of the day, made very little difference in anyone's life. And midway through being there, I had a lot of time by myself because you're very isolated when you're deployed, especially as a woman. Mm. Um, you, I spent a lot of time thinking, like, whoa, you know, is this is this what I want my life to be? You know, do I want to be jumping from conflict zone to conflict zone, like? is the impact that I'm making here the kind of impact that I want to make on the world? And is this the way that I would like to spend my days? Right. And the decision was ultimately no. Um, I had been really in love with my community in DC that I'd left. And I thought I'd want to go back to that. Like I want to be around people who bring me joy and who I love. I want to be with, with, you know, my chosen family. And I had always been you know a creative I'd always been artistic and I realized that there was just this this hole in my heart that you know was not being filled by that Mm. so I didn't actually have any business plan when I came back to DC there was there was really very little of experience that I that I had in running my own business but I thought you know what I'd When I was in high school and when I was in college, I'd painted murals in, like, doctor's offices and kids' rooms and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, made pretty decent money doing it, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was home in the summer in college. And I was like, I could do that. I could do that for a little while while I sort of detox from this the stress of this army life. And I could come back to D.C. and I could, you know, I could just paint. And that would be great. And... From there, it just turned into
0: this completely different thing, and it's been over the course of five, six years now. Yeah, I, yeah, six years, seven years now. And you started really heavily in services. We did, and being hired for service across branding, design, package design. So it started like it started as me
2: printing out some cards saying like, "Hi, I'll paint your kid's room." Oh, I have never been to the kid's room because I started and my first two clients were businesses. My first clients were Annie's Ace Hardware, which is where the first Petworth map came from. Amazing. And the Blind Dog Cafe, who I was just going to do some custom chalkboards for. And then I looked at their logo and I was like, guys, you got to. We, we got to do better than this. I can do better than this. And I was like, listen, you can pay me in sandwiches. I'm going to fix your stuff. And I did logo design for them. I ended up doing marketing materials. I ended up making a website for them because I I just learned how to make my own website. And I was like, I could do this for someone else, you know, and from there, they referred me to someone else. And then Annie's referred me to someone else. And the first year of my business, really the first couple years of my business, I said yes to everything that anyone wanted me to do. Mm. Um, we built websites. We designed labels for packages. We um, I silver-leafed windows of the Wise Owl Club Barbershop down the street from here. And I... You know, like, I did not know how to do that. But they were like, we really want silver leaf windows. And I was like, I'm your gal. Yeah, i figure it out. Definitely. I was at home, like, (laughs) watching YouTube videos and silver leafing, like, panels of acrylic in my living room, you know, like, but it was, it was wonderful. Like, every moment of it was wonderful. And every moment of it was, you know, like, stressful and complicated and learning how to structure my pricing was complicated, but... There's just, there's incredible resources out there to be able to do that. And it was this wonderful moment of exploration into all these different services that I could offer. Mm -hmm. Um, And within the first year, I'd brought on a paid intern. Within two years, I'd brought on um, a second designer. And as the the need for services kept growing and growing, by year four, we had five designers working.
0: Right. And that also marked then a sizable shift again. Yeah. And I I wonder, based on even hearing you right now talk about choosing or saying yes to all of these opportunities that came your way, did you just hit this moment in time where you're like, I don't want to keep saying yes all the time. I need boundaries.
2: Well, it was... It was a refinement to start out with. There mm. was certain things that we were going to take on, and there were certain things that we were not going to take on. We stopped taking on, um, we stopped taking on really small projects, like really, really tiny stuff, because the complications for, yes. you know, it's never small. Like it's never small. No. It's always the same amount of work. Yes, <laughs> um, we. We stopped doing as much digital work. Like we started really focusing on things that had like tangible finishes to them. So really, like package design was a big thing for us. Doing a lot of food design, package design. A lot of food package design because we were located in Union Kitchen for a little while.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, doing murals, doing larger signage installations, doing like things that that you could sort of like feel and touch with your hands afterwards, and also. I think that our studio really got known for having um kind of an illustrative edge to a lot of the things that we did like the, the the things we would work on and the clients we would get would be clients that wanted something that was professional but also had some like fun and some color whimsy. and some whimsy to yeah. it yeah um and that was that was a great place to be you know at that time
0: and in this moment of having five designers shifting this perspective of what your core product offering was. Then it pivoted again into more of a retail shop and your products. So
2: there was this strange little side business that was growing at the same time that all of my service offerings was growing, which is that my first client that I worked with, which was the Guys Hardware. Um, the thing that I decided to do for a mural on the front of their shop was a neighborhood map of the neighborhood that they were in, um, which was Petworth. And I... Had the second that it went up, people were like, "Are you going to make a print of that?" And Can I, was I like, buy that? Yeah, and I was like, uh, "Yeah, definitely." That was the plan all along. Like, it was not. I had no concept that you could make a make an item that would be for sale. Mm-hmm. Like, the, my my understanding of the world was only sort of like service transactional based. So at I started making, you know, physical prints of these neighborhoods. And by the time that those went out and we're selling like hotcakes, all the neighborhoods around them, Adams Morgan and Columbia Heights all wanted, you know, neighborhood maps of their space. And so at the same time that we're building this design studio, I'm also going out to markets, to festivals, and we are selling these prints. Mm-hmm. And I'm slowly, like every couple of months, like making a new one. and doing this over the course of five years. And by the time that five years had rolled around, I had maybe 30 of them. And they were just getting more and more and more popular. So around like four and a half years into the business, we got a pretty amazing opportunity to move into a storefront space Um, in Shaw in the Atlantic Plumbing Building. They made a little artist's row of
0: just artists and artisans who were down there. And if you haven't been there, maybe you're traveling to DC and listening or just tuning in, you must go to 8th Street Northwest Around the corner from Nine Thirty Club, yep. and that is where your shop is. Yes,
2: it is, along with our buds from Typecase Industries, a really cool letterpress store. Uh, the newly opened The Neighborhoods, which is the homeware. Shout out Jody! Yeah, um, and two galleries: Washington Project for the Arts and Foundry Gallery. And we moved our design team over there and then had a teeny tiny shop in the front of the studio where we sold maps and also a variety of other um, kind of cool creative tools, things that were designed forward, but like notebooks and pens, all the things that would be sort of a candy store for the designer or creative in your life. And we had our space there and about, five years into running the business we were having our our fifth anniversary party and I took I left the country for a little while I like went on a trip um to Mexico and did some real soul searching I was like okay like we've been doing this for five years now I have you know like multiple tens of thousands of dollars leaving my bank account every two weeks because payroll is like a five designers hammer that just keeps on hitting. And if this has been five years, it means that I have spent five years and there has not been a single moment that I have not been pretty stressed out. Um, And that was a hard thing for me to look at that I'd, I'd built a job for myself that even though maybe in the early days, it had this like wonder to it. We were taking on all these new things. It had this lightness. It had this flexibility. But we'd become a company that felt heavy Mm. to me. Um, And I realized that I'd I'd basically designed a office job for myself. I see. Um, I was showing up at the office every day at 9 o'clock and not leaving until 6 o'clock. And then because I'm the boss, I'm going home and I'm doing after hours work.
0: On the weekends, all
2: of it. Oh my gosh, the whole thing. And um, I had not intended that. That was not the plan. The plan The plan was to be light. The plan was to be flexible. The plan was to infuse my work with joy. The plan was to be able to work a job I actually really wanted to work at. And I loved my team like there. I had this this group of people who were just like delights to be around. And when I came back from Mexico, I was like, I sort of looked around and I was like, you know, I'm going to have to do something different. And. When I took a really hard look at the numbers, I realized that I was running these sort of two separate businesses as one when I'm running this print sales business. Because at this point, we're selling a lot of them ourselves. They've been picked up in other stores around D.C. They're being sold there. And I'm also running this design studio. And I realized that with everything that I was doing, the design studio was basically breaking even. Like, we were getting everyone paid, and that was, you know, great. Yeah. But the print business was taking a very small portion of my stress and
0: was wildly profitable and a smaller portion of your time maybe there was a larger amount of time to produce the first print I was reading um the four-hour work week at the time and
2: learning about Pareto's law and the idea that like 80 percent or 20 percent of your like stress or 80% of your stress was coming from like a certain thing and 20% was, you know, like actually working. And I realized that all of the stress in my business was really coming from the services aspect mm-hmm. and the constant needing to needing to hustle for clients, needing to continue to be doing business development, needing to, um, you know, make sure that every single person who was working for me had both enough to do, but not so much to do that they were becoming burnt out. And the prints were so beloved by so
0: many people and were so simple. And just were infusing your own life with joy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I was like, you know what? Let's, Let's make the decision. We're going to call it. We're going to scale down services. And I am going to actually focus on this thing that is, is easy and is working.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you hit a little bit of a golden nugget here. And, and I just think, you know, here you are now in a business model that has this blended product sales. Maybe there's still services. I want to hear more. The retail shop. So, acknowledging the amount of time and stress that a certain business line was causing you mm-hmm. versus another, what is the percentage split of sort of time and revenue between each of those verticals per month? For example, do you spend 50% of your time designing new maps, but then it yields 70% of the revenue? I think a lot of our listeners are looking for ways in which they can. Diversify their revenue streams, but just honestly think about their businesses more holistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think uh, over the past year and a
2: half, it's been a scale down of services, and at this point, I'm really like zero percent on services. Yeah, um, and it's been yeah, like a like a steep drop off for that, and I would say. It's one of those things where whenever you run a creative business, people think that you're just like drawing all day. And in reality, it's way like, there's way more busy work than that. It's reaching out to retailers. totally it is business creating development, creating marketing emails. Mm-hmm. It is, um, you know, like updating all of your social accounts. It is doing your bookkeepings. But the, I mean like 100% of my time right now is spent on, on both the shop and the maps which are carried in the shop but then the, the plan is much more to get them out to more retail locations all over America
0: mm-hmm.
2: we um, we started with doing D.C. neighborhoods I've done about 50 different
0: D.C. neighborhoods but wow. I
2: know yeah we're getting there there's over 140 of them oh somewhere. my
0: goodness chugging along again if you're traveling to D.C. this is the spot where you need to understand these like micro communities yep. of the district 100%
2: But I've also started um, exhibiting at larger trade shows um, where we're working with new retail partners all over the country to make maps for their areas and um, for maps for new cities. Um, Because A, DC is such a diverse community. There's people from all over the country here. So we're finding a ton of desire for... Um, maps of other places. And wow. also we're, you know, we're working with new cities and new retailers to develop maps for different places. We, you know, we just did a Philadelphia map that got picked up by the Philadelphia Museum of Arts gift shop, which was like a huge thing for me because that was one of my favorite places when I was growing up. We're working with the city of Santa Barbara in making a map that's going to be in their sort of um like, the visitor center, like, store um, of all the different neighborhoods that are part of Santa Barbara. We're doing a lot, a lot of different new things and expanding in all different directions.
0: To pull on a pop culture... Uh, metaphor for a moment, you really Marie Kondoed your life here. You asked yourself, "Is am, this bringing me joy?"
2: I am constantly Marie Kondoing my life, yeah. and that is <laughs> like that is not a joke. And I I always say one of the things that I always say about cherry blossom is that it's I've always viewed it as a rocket ship for my aspirations. Like whatever the thing is that I am like curious about right now I want to be able to use my business to explore that thing Mm. so right now I am really like interested in travel I'm really interested in exploring the world I'm really interested in simplicity I'm really interested in making the business as basically like as I say stripped down but that makes it sound sort of like I don't know austere and it's not Mm. like it's a it's like a it's a good and joyful thing but I'm working on creating a life for myself and designing a life for myself that is balanced and sustainable and has me in periods where like I don't have to be working in the evenings where I don't have to be uh stressing about payroll you know where I don't have to be constantly searching for you know like searching for money
0: yeah A holistic way of thinking and, dare I say, maybe even a more feminine approach to our masculine dominance driven market right now. We are going to take a quick break and be right back with Tori to hear her thoughts on more tangible tips on how you could take action like this in your own lives. Are back with Tori Partridge, founder of Cherry Blossom Creative. Um, we started our conversation delving into how you've designed your business and its evolution over time. But I do want to talk about your actual design aesthetic. We touched on it briefly, the whimsy, the joy, um, and your creative process. So when you were working with more one-on-one clients, what main tips Or pieces of content did you need from an individual small business owner before you got started on that branding work, whether it was a new logo or package design? I find that a lot of individuals aren't trained or coached on how to work with a creative professional.
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I mean, there's no there's no reason why that is something that you necessarily Yeah, not a college class. No, no. (laughs) Um... I will say that I think a lot of businesses that we've worked with have come with a sort of, like, let's do the bare minimum that we can possibly do, and that's what we actually need. Mm. Um, and I think that we we had a lot of people, especially as small businesses, approaching us and being like, I need a logo. And it's like, maybe... You know, like maybe you need a logo, but maybe what you actually need is more of a vision for the the way that the aesthetic of your brand, you know, is going to work. Like, mm-hmm. are your colors bright? Is it like very sophisticated and, you know, like stylish? Is it like like fun and generous and sweet you know like what what are all of the different things that you need to do and I think a lot of times people hire a designer when what they actually need is a little bit more of a strategy
0: like a life coach
2: sometimes sometimes yeah but I think that um I think that it has has way more to do with what you want the general aesthetic of your brand to be rather than what you you know what your name looks like in fancy type totally Um, I think that One of the things that you should perhaps expect to to do is to be in a really good partnership with the person that you are working with. Because you, as a small business owner, you need to really trust the person who is going to take some of your money and then do something that's going to help put your vision out into the world. And if you are not meeting with a person that seems like they empathize with you and seems like they really care about making your brand shine, then, you know, maybe maybe try somebody else. I've seen this a lot also where I think I think people only ever really meet with one designer. They they are sort of scrambling. There's not a great resource out there for mm. like saying like, "Oh, like look at all these different design studios that I can pick from." And the other thing that's really complicated is that there isn't really standard pricing right. for a lot of creative services you know like a big company is going to be paying you know like hundreds of thousands of dollars for a rebrand and you know a college student you know who is like trying to build out their portfolio is going to charge you a couple hundred dollars for a rebrand so you know what what is the value of design actually and what is it worth and because of that you know like there's I think there's a lot of discomfort in approaching um, designers and approaching creative work because you want to, you know, you're a small business. You're like paying attention to your bottom line. You are trying to stretch your money and make it go as far as possible. Um, and I think that a lot of times the best thing that you can possibly do is, is know that, you know, like you are on some levels going to get what you pay for. Like you are gonna, you know, have a more talented designer. The more that you pay for it, you're going to have a more unique design. Um, and to have a really good sense of like what you would like to pay going in and what your budget is and then fitting that budget to sort of the right designer. Yeah. Um, if you can at all possible try and avoid um sites like 99designs or things where you're basically asking you know doing design competitions like you're really going to get better results and you're going to be participating in a much like fairer and more honest economic system if you work with an individual um rather than you know shopping
0: your stuff out yeah and i think it's a major point that I just heard from you is that relational aspect. It's huge. Like, there are things that you might not recognize about yourself or your own business that working with a designer might pull out from you. A hundred percent. And it's a mirror.
2: I always say that my job is, um, like... 99% design therapy. It's (laughs) really helping you discover who you are and how you want to be in the world and how you want to be seen. And a really good designer will be able to come with that sort of empathetic level be able to to truly see who you want to be and then be able to create something that helps you express yourself in the most clear way possible I so love that. the personal connection is like is huge absolutely you know? obviously look at that person's work but like if you are sitting in a meeting with them and it just seems like they either don't really care about what you're doing or don't really you know get it. don't really get it Go find somebody else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's so important that we, I've talked about this a lot on the tidbit that I think in business, we've just gotten down to the transactional relationships, or I'm not even going to call them relationships, just the transaction. And we've gotten away from being in relationship and in partnership with all pieces of our supply chain including the individuals who are services based yeah, I think in, in our business models. And it comes out when you have that co-creative process, as opposed to, I need a logo, fishing it out on, li- on whatever it might be, mm-hmm. 99designs or whatever other site. Like, There's just an importance in being more intentional and thoughtful uh, in how you're designing the thing you'd like to put out into the world. Mm-hmm. And I often say in workshops that I host around Um, pitching a retail buyer that your brand is not a logo a brand is a whole identity of this thing that you're putting out into the world it's it's a color palette it's your customer experience it's your tone and your voice like there's everything that goes into a holistic experience of that brand and it's not just your business card and your social icons
2: it's definitely not
0: well Tori, you mentioned this at the beginning, but I just really want to circle back on this because one of the most fascinating pieces about your journey to me is the fact that you did come from this defense contractor world Mm -hmm. and now you've evolved into such a different um, way of life and a way of thinking. And you mentioned this before we went to break that now you're interested in travel and simplicity, and what does that mean for your business model even moving forward? And I was reading in a Washington Post article that has you quoted saying, she realized, however, what she really wanted to do was to go back home and live a life that was focused around creativity. And I think throughout this conversation, you've really demonstrated how you did that at that moment in time. But now, from this point forward, how are you really looking at the creative process for yourself and again um we were speaking earlier about these words of a lifestyle business or being an entrepreneur and a startup and and the words and connotations around the two so i'm i just love to close hearing what does the creative process and living a life full of creativity mean to you now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, creativity is funny because it's sort of a loaded term. Like when you when you apply it to people, like they they recoil from it a lot of the time. <laughs> They're like, "Oh no, I'm not creative," but I think that um, one of the things that I think is that being being resourceful is being creative and the one of the greatest ways that you can be creative is to design a life that is working for you on all aspects so i mean as i think of my creative process i think maybe you're asking me that question in terms of like oh like who are you? Which designers are you inspired by? Oh, which? no, take no. it any way you want. But <laughs> I i mean, truly for me, like the greatest creative act that I have ever done is to create a life that I am really enjoying living. Like, I love that it is a Tuesday afternoon and that you and I are like sitting in a beautiful studio and that after this, I will go for a walk in the park and like maybe get a coffee and then do some work. I was just telling um, Kim that, you know, in the next mm, on Saturday this week, I'm going to be going to Bora Bora for a couple of weeks Amazing. to I know to spend time with my parents. And um, but, you know, I'm taking my work materials and I can take my iPad and I can do like You know, drawing and illustration work on the plane ride there, and in my off times. And my husband now we've like made sure that he has a um, a remote work situation, so we can take that on the road. We spent the entirety of March in Peru, like working and living and learning, and I. I want even more of that. Like I want to continue to simplify. I want to continue to have the flexibility to have like a really consistent and steady income combined with the freedom that allows me to pursue all of the things that I love in the world and all of the ways that I think that I can do the most good in the world and also to build, you know, like really like thoughtful, interesting, flexible jobs for the people who work for me um, mm-hmm. because I think that that's enormously important as a boss.
0: Absolutely. Um, Have a purpose-filled job that also, crazy idea, has flexibility. Has
2: flexibility. And that's something that you are going to, you know, enjoy and not be micromanaged at. mm mm-hmm. um, yeah i think just continuing to find more and more ways to bring more joy into my life to bring more flexibility into my life and to bring you know more more time for exploring this beautiful world that we call home
0: yeah there's i believe there's some adage around the fact that um there's this man he works 80 hour weeks in order to climb up his ladder in wall street to make x amount of money so that he can at some day retire and move to A village in Costa Rica to be able to fish and then he asks the fisherman like how did you get to live this life and Mm -hmm. he's like I just did it every day like I don't have to climb this ladder just to be living my values and my decisions right now
2: 100% and I think
0: we're moving away from as a society realizing we don't have to keep cannibalizing and climbing this ladder in order to just live the way we want to live now yes
2: Hundred percent. There's a Seth Godin quote that I like always kind of keep in mind, which is like, instead of dreaming about your next vacation, try designing a life that you don't have to escape from. Oh, um, and that I think about that a lot.
0: Wow. Thank you, Tori. Yeah. How can people find you in life online?
2: Yeah. So you can find Cherry Blossom Creative on all social channels at Cherry Blossom HQ. Um, You can come and visit us and say hello to us. Um, Our shop is called Cherry Blossom Creative. We are on 8th and V in Washington, D.C. Um, And we would love to
0: see you and bring you into our shop and say hello. I very much encourage you all to check them out. And we'd also love if more budding entrepreneurs like you, listener, could find out about the tidbit. Our mission at Curate includes the sharing of education and access to resources. And the best way to reach more folks like you is to leave a review on iTunes. So I would be very appreciative if you could head over to your app and leave a little tidbit on there about what you've learned here on the show. And until next time, everyone, remember to scale thoughtfully and source locally.